Yes, it's a Science Patrol, your Ultraman podcast. And now the hosts of Science Patrol, Rich Conroy and Pat Rooney. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of Science Patrol, your Ultraman podcast. My name is Rich Conroy. With me, as always, lovely and talented Mr. Pat. Hey, everybody. How are you? Uh, how are you today, Pat? Quite well. Quite well. And yourself? Oh, not too bad. I, you know, it's funny. I couldn't find my headphones this morning because I put them somewhere um, so that I wouldn't lose them. Well, that was the problem I had last week. I put them yep. somewhere where I wouldn't lose them. And, of course, what does the wife do? Moves them. <laughs> lose them for you. No, she, she moves them. them and loses no, no. Them for you. She loses them. That's losing <laughs> some, moving something in order for someone else to lose them. Exactly. You lose them. <laughs> now, um, on behalf of the rest of the listeners, I will you, ask on the podcast, Yeah, how is your dad doing? That's what He's okay. He's know. doing much better, you guys. Um, uh, we He had a couple of fall incidents. And... Uh, Went, had to go into the hospital for four days and uh, now is in a rehab facility to uh, strengthen his legs back up. Okay. So, but I got to see him walk on Friday and it's like the fastest he's walked in, I don't know, it's eight months. <laughs> it might have something to do with the fact that he's not eating processed garbage in the hospital. That'd do it. He was That'd like, boy, the food here is great. And I'm like, yeah, it beats the crap out of microwave hamburgers, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll send my. him everybody's best is what we can do. Uh, yeah, I, and he appreciates that, everybody. All the people I've told him that, you know, people are sending them thoughts and prayers and, and uh, best wishes and, and, you know, support from afar. And uh, he very much appreciates that. So... Yeah, so now we are going to we're going to do a double Zet special today, you guys. Just because yes. uh, we couldn't we couldn't record last week due to numerous things. Um, I'll take the blame. I didn't know where my headsets were. Well, that too. But uh, I think I think that teaches us another thing, which is we need to make sure we have a better headset or at least extra headsets. Extra so, headsets, yes. So yeah. can't get lost completely. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then the whole thing with my dad. So that like, you know, that's put a guy on Rocky, but yeah. that's fine. That's yeah. a, taking care I of your dad. I was sleeping more so badly this week. Oh, I would imagine. Oh, would imagine. Uh, bad times, bad times. Back and forth between the doctors and the hospital. And then your kids in school at home. Is he still at home this coming? Oh week? yeah. 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 For this week too. Oh, so you got no sleep and had to work. Yay. Yeah. And then, uh, then they had overtime yesterday, so I was like, well, of course. Now, granted, I took two days off of work because I had to. So that, yeah. means, that means the vacation I was going to use at the end of the year when we're closed, because they're making us take our vacation days for the three days that were closed between Christmas and New Year's. How is that your fault? Uh, capitalism? I gotcha. Because gotcha. <laughs> it is. Gotcha. Capitalism? Yeah. You could, if you don't have vacation, you could just not get paid. That's fine. Oh, that's great. Yep. Every that other place stupid. every other place I've ever worked that was closed like that, they were like, Don't worry, you'll be paid. It's that's our policy that we're off. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, the yeah. way it should be. Yeah. So now I had to take three vacation days from twenty twenty one. So I'm already three days in the hole for next year. Oh, that sucks. Yep. Oh that bunch. Good times. Good oh. times. So yeah, that's how it is. You know, what are you going to do? Oh, I understand. I understand. I just I don't have to be happy about it. But no, <laughs> no, no. Like you said, capitalism, screw yep. the little guy. That's all yep. it ever is. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. So, uh, 
We're going to talk about Ultraman Z episode 20, To Care and What Lies Beyond. Uh, air date of 11-4-2020. Um, Masayoshi Takasue is our director, and the screenplay is Yuji Kobayashi. Um, what I really think is funny is I, I was kind of hoping that we were really going to do Leo after this because it was a fine example of a goofy, kind of a goofy monster oh, God. slash opponent done well. Yeah, I'll give it and then done well. A goofy monster slash opponent done astoundingly poorly. <laughs> Horribly. Yeah. When we get to that, I have to remember that it, that this was the episode that we were pairing it with, um, <laughs> because I, there, there's there's uh, parallels <coughs> between this and the and the Leo episode. Yes. It astounding. Uh, I don't know what. I think it's just that Ultraman has a lot of recurring themes. I believe so. I don't think uh, we're just getting what... super lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but let's go with we know what we're doing. Sure, Even though everybody knows that we don't. <laughs> yeah. So the artificial life form, M1, created by Chief Mechanic uh, uh, Kojiro Inaba's daughter, Ruri, has malfunctioned and has become gigantic. M1 doesn't have bad intentions, but like this, it can do some serious damage. Storage puts major operation into motion in order to stop M1 before it reaches a metropolitan area. Will they be able to save M1? Dun, dun, dun. Right? Now, M1 is a monster from um, Ultra Q. Ah. Yeah. And uh, had we had any sort of coordination in our uh, in our podcasting life, I would have said, well, let's watch the Ultra Q episode, too. Like, I got time for that right now. <laughs> At <laughs> this, this point, we're trying to catch up on so many different things, and especially... With everything that you've got going on, I'm amazed you yeah. could do this. Right. And then they said, hey, guess what? There's a new series starting online called The Absolute Conspiracy. So here's that, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's fine. I get and it. We'll try. Yeah. Um, so let me let me uh, get to the... I want to see where we've seen... We've seen M1 once before, too. Um Let's see here. I don't remember him. He honestly. was in Ultra Q. Right. He was in Ultraman X as well. Um, oh, I didn't remember him at all. Admit yeah, that. he was in Ultraman X. So this is only his third appearance. Okay. And uh, did you notice he bears a somewhat uh, <laughs> fleeting resemblance to Rectangular General? Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Rectangular general, this is your monkey. <laughs> he's got, like, super squinty eyes, and he's got that flat rectangular head. He kind of looks like Rick. I would like to see a picture of the Rectangular general standing next to M1. Because Just to prove that they're be, not the same. But yeah. Hey, you know what? We've never seen them in the same room. We don't know. Exactly. How, where did they get the DNA to create this artificial life form? Was hmm. it was it from Rectangular General? Possibly. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let me just get uh, the Ultraman set. Um, yeah, of course. Now he there is absolutely no. Uh, I'm glad you took notes because oh, of uh, course. yeah, because uh, I don't remember how this even starts. Other than um, we get our mechanic going out to. Uh, he's like, oh, uh, Haruki's like, oh, uh, hey, what's up? Um, God, what's his name now? Baco. Baco, thanks. He's like, Baco, 
And he's like, huh? And he, he walks out and he's all dressed up nice. Yes. Because he's yes. going to meet his daughter. And Yoko, or uh, Yuka rather, is super excited. Right, because the daughter, daughter is supposed is. to be some ridiculous scientist that's super smart and all that. And Yuka's like, oh my God, she's my idol. Yeah. Okay. And she created an artificial life form, which is not nothing. Not nothing. Not nothing. You know? Give it that. Yeah. So uh, what happens after that, Pat? Because uh, well, then, I should have rewatched uh, this. That's fine. That's fine. Because I was um, ready to go last week, but I should have rewatched this. That's all right. It's not the end of the world. So then Baco sees his daughter, right. takes her out to the storage headquarters. Yuka introduces herself, wants to take a picture of everybody. And then Baco says, no, 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 no. Get back to work. You don't get oh, to look at my daughter. Get back to that's work. That's the best is when the guys <laughs> come over and they're like, hey, what's up? How you doing? And he's like, no, 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 no. Get back over there. <laughs> None of you are good enough. Beat it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then yeah. we see the M1 in his little cage. Someone opens the little door to the cage. Now, we don't get right. to see who. Right. The daughter gets Baco to visit the M1, right. and M1 isn't there. Right. He has, he has been either uh, kidnapped or just let out. Yes. Yes. I, I was wondering if it was going to be some sort of... Uh, how do I put this? Like an AI rights group? Uh, like, oh, he's an artificial life form, but he's still a life form and therefore must be, you know. Yeah. And, and like, you know, they're like, uh, like, um, oh gosh, I don't want to say PETA, but um, yeah, PETA breaks out like research Peter works. animals out of cages, right? Yeah. 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 They try anyway. Yeah. Like an animal liberation, like an animal liberation front or something. Yeah. But for an artificial life form. Sure. sure so, sure. Uh, and, and health. <laughs> Alf and the art no A L L F Alf the artificial life form liberation. How about Alf Alf? You know you were better with artificial life form liberation front. Now you're really trying to. Yeah, or they could. We got to come up with. We got to come up with another A so they could just be called Alf Alf, like artificial life form. Something liberation. Automatic liberation force. Well, it's not automatic. <laughs> People got to go do it. That'd be good. Um, not well. We're, right you know up. what? We'll put a pin in that. We'll get the boys to workshop it, and we'll see what we can come <laughs> up with. So now this group, there's a. we see a group that has the M1 cornered. Right. And they are about to actually hit the daughter. The M1 stops them from hitting the daughter, mm -hmm. but gets zapped with all the electricity that they're using. Right, and right. That somehow, here's where the science bell comes in, oh, makes yeah. the M1 giant. Right. Sure. Hey, was it was it the same bunch of yahoos that were trying to that showed up in this week's episode, the GAF or whatever? I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of think that too. I think so. It's a possibility, but I don't want to say for sure because I didn't watch the episode twenty any many more than the once I once or twice I have to. Yeah, I try not to. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I would I would love to rewatch things three and four times. It, it you know to do my due diligence for this podcast, but who has the time? We just don't. We just don't. So then we get we get to see King Joe and Wyndham land yeah. in front of the M one. Always Which great. then, of course, falls down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of lot of goofy pratfalls. Uh, this is this is for sure a comedy monster. There's oh, no absolutely. doubt about it. <laughs> that's not a problem. I. 
Wait, I'm good with comedy monsters. The Leo episode uh, also had a comedy monster, but my God, how terrible it was. Not well done. It, it well is done. maybe the worst Leo episode we have seen since we've restarted. Okay. If you say since we've restarted, I can go with that. The yeah, first few I'm not were saying. Awful. No, the first, the first few were absolutely <laughs> awful. But, like, they were like, like, hey, we've hit our stride. We're going to do some of this stuff. And then it was like, oh, you know, we forgot to write something for this week, fellas. What are we <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much is what it looked like. <laughs> it's what it looked like. Yeah. Hey, what can we make a monster out of? What suits in that uh, broom closet? Exactly. <laughs> So uh, the daughter tries to calm the M1. Sure. And then they shoot this tranquilizer at it. Of course, <laughs> somehow they have a giant tranquilizer, which will sure. only put the thing to sleep for 24 hours or whatever. And it gets him right in the belly. That was the of best course. thing. Right in the belly. But he's like, oh. <laughs> <That's laughs> like, good. What is this thing? Oh. And it just <laughs> it's like a ton of bricks. So then tranquilizer darts do that. Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, like you um, never, you never see like whenever you watch, um, when like you see on Facebook, somebody would be like, "Oh, there was a bear uh, wandering around," you and know, they hit it with a tranquilizer, well, they, yeah, and they it slowly still goes walked away. And you're like, "Yeah, it's because it's got a circulatory system, and yeah. it's not movie tranquilizers where like a guy has a blowgun and goes <laughs> right." And then and falls instantly. And some guy grabs his neck and goes, oh, and just immediately goes, that's a nerve toxin, I think. <laughs> that's exactly what that is. <laughs> if you happen to hit them just in the jugular as it's going to the brain, yeah. then sure, maybe. That's like one of the, like that's like a sea urchin you're not supposed to touch or something like that. That's, exactly. that's bad news. If you fall down that quick, that's uh, the good Chance you're not getting up. It's not laying down for sleepy time. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. <laughs> but then Storage is told to eliminate the M1. Yeah. And of course, Baco's daughter does not want him destroyed. So yeah. Haruki says, listen, you try to figure out a way to reverse the process of him being a giant. Right. So I don't have to kill him. I don't right. want to kill him. And they're like, if okay. I have to. Yeah. And then, uh, they're like, if he gets within, Rectangular General gets on the phone. It's like, look, if he gets within a thousand meters, I think. Yes, of, it is a thousand meters. Of the then city. you have to take care. Then, then you have to do what you yep. have to do. Yep. So, like, the line of demarcation is that canal we keep seeing. Of um, course. That's fine. I like a line of demarcation as much as the next guy. And especially when it's a canal, so you know there might be a water battle. There might there. Could be a water fight, yeah. <laughs> Always fun. So, that, now we get to the next morning. Yeah. The M1 wakes up. Right. Windon, to try to confuse the M1, sends banana smoke. Oh, that's which... right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant monkey. Send banana smoke. Banana smoke. <laughs> I think that's the episode of the. I think that's the, our, our episode title. If it's a giant monkey, send banana smoke. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. So then um, the M1 falls down, jumps yep. back up. And knocks Windun and King Joe down. So they, of course, use a rugby tackle to knock the, the awesome. M1 down. That was so great. There's a lot of great <laughs> wrestling in this one. They use tug of war ropes to try to slow it down, try to keep it away from that thousand meter line. And then for the super silly, you get these bunch of guys who use 
drum and dance moves. Okay. At the end, dance. Spectacular. <laughs> this spectacular. was great. This was so silly. It was the best you could possibly get. And I'm this sitting was, there laughing at the thing. And going, if, oh, it's you, great. if you want super serious tokusatsu, this, this is not, not the scene for you. If you just enjoy this stuff and you like the absurdity of it and the fact that they were like, uh, they had like a giant like group of drum guys with the no shirts and whatnot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and everybody dancing and, you and singing and whatnot. And, yeah. and then, of course, M1 is like, I, I like this song. He starts doing this groove. And a King Joe and Wyndham join in. Oh my God! It's everything I didn't know I needed. Exactly. But I needed it. Need oh every second of this. God, <laughs> it was I. Maybe so far my favorite scene of the whole series. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I could see that easily because you're sitting there laughing at the thing and going, you know what? It can't. It might work. What the yeah, heck? Yeah. This, these two episodes have given me two of my biggest laughs of the entire series. There you go. And this scene, and we'll get to the other one, remind me in the next episode. I will try. Because of how serious the next episode is, there's one colossally brilliant comedic moment in it that just... <laughs> I love it so much. That's great. That's but great. Yeah, oh my god, it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> it was so silly. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! But and, and how, I forget how how they uh, how they managed to screw this up because you know M one is enjoying himself, right? But then we find out that the daughter now does have a reversing serum. Yeah. Hey, and did Baco it says, you that her and um. Yuka, we're working in the lab with liquids and whatnot. Not a friggin' stitch of PPE between the two of them. In the modern times, yes. Yeah, so get, I think if I had seen this eight months ago before the pandemic, no. But now, I'm like, oh that. my god! I work in. I work in. You know, I've been working in manufacturing for five years now. You, right. If, if you got coolant and stuff spraying around, you gotta have uh, protective vests and whatever at you the can. Bare minimum. Some goggles and yeah. nitrile gloves. They should have had goggles. Yes. And nitrile. Like, get, put some gloves on, ladies. You don't know what this <laughs> stuff's going to do. Well, and they what? know what this stuff is going to do. They are scientists. I'll give them that. And they seem to be doing it all at Yuka's desk. <laughs> we, know, <laughs> we know they have a laboratory set. Like, you yes. <laughs> like, oh, no, we're all okay. going to do it. I got all my yeah. equipment right here. What are you going to do, like gene sequencing at your desk? Of course. You what, you don't do gene sequencing at your workstation? Not what anymore. is wrong with you? Not anymore. I don't, I mean, I used to, look, when I worked in an office, the best I could do was have a fish tank. But, you know. Well, that's because you don't work in what they work in. This is true. I remember, I remember though, one day, my boss walked in and was like, when did you get a fish tank? And I was like, oh, that's been here for like two months. He's like, Really? Like, yeah. And then I'm like, I got it. I put it in after I got the refrigerator. He's like, you have a refrigerator? <laughs> That's great. Like, yeah. That's an observant boss. Well, dude, the, the point was the cubicles were kind of dark, except if you turned the 
they were like real tall, right? And they were closed on all four sides except for like a kind of narrow doorway. Told so you have all sorts of nonsense in there. And nobody I had, really. Oh, I had I, I had climbing plants. I had uh, you know because I was there for eleven years. So oh, okay, know. fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I found a I found a nice uh uh. Desktop refrigerator at Target, big enough to put a six pack of soda or a couple of water bottles or whatever in it. All right, just big enough to put some small stuff into. Not ten bucks on clearance. Yeah, there you go. Last great. six or seven years. Yeah, That's perfect. Good. You can't yeah. get better than that. No, it was nice. Yeah. So then, let's see where were we going. Um, After so now, the dancing. Right. We got. Uh, we got the fact that the daughter has a reversing serum. So now right. King Joe and Wunden are trying to push M1 away from the line of demarcation. Right. <laughs> then we get our beta smash. Which, yep. Okay, fine, whatever. And then he wrestles with the M1. Then we get our Delta Rise claw trail. Oh, the wrestling was pretty great, too, because there was a lot of, like, leg bends. And, like, it was very, <laughs> very, very silly wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. It was pro wrestling. It wasn't yeah. even real wrestling. It was pro yeah, no. wrestling. Yeah, you know who wants to watch real wrestling other than people on wrestling teams and their parents? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, good. But yeah, that's you know that's the that's a real sport. I get it. Before <laughs> anyone tells me that pro wrestling isn't an actual, it, you know, it's a sport. It's not a sport. It's a scripted athletic entertainment activity. And I'm we're not with that. Yeah, we're not saying that they're not athletic. Oh we no, just know I, who's going to win when the match starts. I had a friend who uh, sadly recently passed away, who used to do semi-pro wrestling. Okay, rest in peace, Mike Mindless. Uh, base also base player for the original lineup of the Skulls. If you guys knew that, um, and um, yeah, like he was like his knee. Oh God, that poor man's knees. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, sure. Poor dude. But anyway. Yeah. Um, then we get, after the Delta Rise claw transformation, mm -hmm. they use, Bellyrock decides to use his Deathlium claw to actually hold the M1. Baco, <laughs> God bless you. He's got another one. <laughs> God bless you again. I keep one trying more. to mute it. That one was muted. And one more. Hold on. Here it comes. And because I'm talking about it, it's not going to come out. <laughs> now it's stuck. <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so we use the death team claw to hold the M1. Right. Then Baco comes up with a rocket launcher. Right, right, right. Shoots the serum into the mouth of the M1. Right. Which then amazingly shrinks down to normal size. Yeah. The M1 then wakes up to the daughter who thanks Baco. Yeah, it gives him a big she, hug. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Was, Thank you for awesome. shrinking my my artificial monster back down to normal size so he doesn't break the whole world and doesn't yeah. die and all that. Yeah. Which I would like to cool. see if M1 becomes uh if we see him again for some reason. I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like maybe we might. Maybe. Maybe. I doubt it highly because this seemed like it was just a one-off episode, which I give it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was but awesome. But it just seemed like it was just a one-off episode. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Exactly. A lot, a lot of fun. Exactly. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you want? Do you have any information on Baco at all? On Baco or M1? On I'm sorry, on M1. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, that I have. Let me just pull up my. Yeah, you uh, said it was in Ultra Q. You said yeah. it was an X or was Oops. it G? No X. An X, and then this is his third appearance. Affirmative. There yes. you go. There you okay. go. M1. Uh, two meters tall, 180 kilos. Home world is planet Earth. First appearance. Ultra Q episode 10. The Underground Super Express goes west. Okay, sure. Don't yeah, go yeah. east, only west. No. Well, if you went <laughs> east, it would probably go right into the Sea of Japan, right? So like, it's, it's, it doesn't have to on, return. Or is that on the left? Or is that on the right, the uh, west side? That's on the west side. Oh, so then it would be going into the sea. Anyhow, <laughs> I digress. Anyhow, um, an Ultra Q, um, he was all, he's been an artificial life form since the get go. Apparently, okay, okay, um, that's fair enough. Uh, let's see here. We're gonna go. I was gonna go with the. Uh, let's hear some trivia. His voice actor originally was Maso Nakasone. Um, his original concept sketches, M1 was to appear alongside a more insect-like M2. Uh-huh. Um, a small model of M2 has surfaced as of late, um, but it was unused, of course. Okay. Um, M1 also appeared in Gaki no Sukai's No Laughing Earth Defense Force as a small robotic toy that danced to a song, I Want You, an X-plus of that figure and a photo of the monster appeared in it as well. Okay, whatever that is. Whatever Someone that means. It, a a series sure. that we haven't I'm, seen. It's either August <laughs> or Emma is going to come in with that obscure little note. Like, oh, right, of course. Da, 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 da. And, yeah, <laughs> and we'll sit there going, thank you. Because <laughs> that's all we're going to do. Not going to watch it. <laughs> it is said that M1's face. Oh, hey, there's Owen. He's like, yep, still potting. Okay. It is said that M1's face greatly resembles comedian. Uh, Masatoshi Hamada. The M in the name also stands for Masatoshi. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, Let's see. Um, In an unreleased script, or an unrealized script, M1 also teams up with a cicada human to fight Gorgos, but that never happened. That's fine. Uh, fine. What's funny is in Ultraman X, the M1 that we see there is the original M1. From, so that connects to Ultra Q, okay, uh, in a in a direct timeline way. That where oh this, oh where I didn't realize isn't okay. This one is 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 not. Is, yeah, it's uh, built by Baco's daughter somehow. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, he can <laughs> survive in cold and airless outer space. He can teleport. Uh, he can <clears throat> manipulate size. Um, he has the ability nullification. He can nullify his target's abilities, which allow him to trap Ultraman X in one of his test tubes. Uh, ah. Oh, now I remember right? when Ultraman X was really small. I yeah. remember that now. Okay. Uh, he, can, he has cellular regeneration, um, Herculean strength with those big giant monkey arms. Makes sense. Yeah. There's some really, there's a really couple of nice, um, figures of him like oh, there's okay. the there's the you know like the 500 yen one which is not super detailed and is no, of course know, not it's all right 
but there's one that I think has to be by M. Oh, it's X plus. That's why. Um, the X plus version is, uh, probably horrifically expensive, but I'm super sure. detailed. Sure. Um, well, the more expensive it is, the more detailed it can be. Mm -hmm. Or actually, the more detailed that it is, the more expensive it's going to be. It actually, usually so. works that way. <laughs> like, did you want it to look like fur? Well, that's another <laughs> that's another two thousand yen. You know, exactly. exactly. That's how that's going to work. So yeah, we had our we had our two we had two forms of Ultraman Z in this one: Beta Smash and Delta Rise Claw, and yes. we also had Wonderman King Joe showing up. So that's just nice. good. I enjoy I enjoy me some King Joe storage custom. It's my favorite. It's been my favorite King Joe um, iteration uh, that we've ever seen. I just yeah. I, I like King Joe a lot. I had a King Joe toy when I was a kid uh, that I this, to this day still regret selling, but needed the money. But yeah. uh, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do when you got to yeah. do it. That's the way it is. And so help me, if I win the lottery, I will be buying it back. Um, I understand. I probably won't get the same. It won't be mine uh, unless that guy hasn't sold it yet. But uh, <laughs> but you'll get a new one. That's right. I will buy. I will buy the Godzilla gang all over again. Um, <laughs> and that's for those fair. of you who don't know, uh, in the seventies, uh, Mattel came out with a line of well, they licensed a line of Japanese vinyl kaiju figures um, from manufacturer Popey. Uh, one of which was Godzilla. And then when they went to license Rodan and all that, uh, Toho was like, oh, yeah, it's ungodly. Let, well, let's say like Godzilla costs $500,000. I'm just I'm pulling numbers out of my keister at this point. Of course. Right? Every monster you want is an additional $500,000. Yeah. Like it's the same. Instead of like, oh, yeah, you want a blanket thing? Like you want to make 10 monsters? It's this. No, no, no. It's. Everything's the same price. Dollars. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. No, thank you. And then uh, uh, Super Rare was like, hey, um, we got these Ultra 7 monsters that you might want to take a look at. And they're yeah. cheapity cheap. And they went, <laughs> okay. <coughs> so there. a whole bunch. Of, there's a whole bunch of Ultra 7 monsters. There's like Ella King, King Joe. Um, uh, oh, gosh. I can't think. One of the capsule monsters. Michaelis. Um, uh, who, who's the guy from last week with the um, Bemstar? Bem yeah, yeah, it's really great. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm and those are the only toys that I kind of like. Oh, wish I kind of still had them. Oh well. Yeah. But them's the breaks, happen. kids. I get it. Yeah, it's just stuff. That's what I keep telling people. It's yeah. just stuff. Someday, if I have more money, I can get more stuff. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Just, there's always more stuff, you guys. So uh, we're gonna be back in a few more minutes. With the next episode, D4. Yes. I'm back right after. See you in a minute. And we are back with more of the Science Patrol, your Ultraman podcast. Now we're going to get into our second episode of this Double Zet special. It is D4. Uh, yeah. You sank my battleship. Uh, <laughs> uh, air date is 11-21-2020. Masayoshi Takasui is our director. And, of course, screenplay by the ever-reliable Satoshi Suzuki. Um, 
Let's see here. Synopsis. A new weapon has been developed from the recovered remains of Bar- uh, Barava. I keep wanting to call him Barbara. Uh, <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that uses the abilities of the extra-dimensional being Yapul. Because uh, that's not a good idea. But we, Never I digress. Is. Haruki and the others are against using this weapon's terrible powers. But in that moment, the brutal space monster Kelvin appears. This new weapon D4 is equipped to King Storage Custom or King Joe Storage Custom. Will Yoko be able to pull the trigger? Ta-da. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, on the uninhabited Highland Highland, <laughs> so in Scotland sure, all of a sudden sure. <laughs> in the uninhabited island of. Okay, this is going to be rough, so bear with me. Uh, Naka no Toriishima. There you go. A new super weapon, sure. the V4, is about to undergo its first test. Created by GAF following analysis of Baraba's sword uh, that was left behind after he was destroyed by Zet and Ace. The weapon is imbued with the same energy as the interdimensional portals used by Yapul and his legion of terrible monsters. Now, I'm going to look up GAF real quick because that is a, um, a linky. Oh, Global Allied Forces. Okay. okay. I could... I could not remember that I oh. didn't write it down <laughs> now GAF GAFJ of course is global allied forces Japan of course it is oh, of course it, it was is. nagging me the whole time when when everybody's walking around with the GAFJ on their jacket or their you know bulletproof vest or whatever and I'm like yeah but, but what, what does it mean I don't remember <laughs> that should come as a surprise to literally no one. No one. Um, Absolutely no one. <laughs> after the weapon was activated, it left a massive two-kilometer crater in the island, erasing yes. uh, a huge amount of just everything, uh, of according to Yuka's analysis of the test run. Director well, Kuriyama... Well, show you the yeah. overhead of the island oh, yeah. with the gaping hole right that in was... the middle of it. Yep. Oh, my God. That can't be good. No, definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. Um. Uh, Director Kuriyama, a.k.a. Rectangular General, announces the GAF was impressed by the test, and they have ordered a second D4, this time an advanced version referred to as the D4 Ray, to be loaded onto King Joe Storage Custom, uh, augmenting its Padanium particle cannon. Now, everybody is just up in arms completely about this. Nobody likes this. Nobody likes this. Right. Um, and, um, they're like, what is going on? So the rectangular general leaves and he bumps into a, uh, bumps into a member of GAFJ in the hallway, gets a salute. He's like, oh, you startled me. I'm sorry. And he walks right. away complaining of his uh, typical stomach pain. Um, I think the man has an ulcer and needs to see a GI doctor. He I'm, might, he might wrap <laughs> I'm concerned for rectangular general. <laughs> Um, but did you notice what the guy was? I did. You were and it also, it also begs the question, how many of these guys are affected by the fact that he passes Celebro? I think it's just the one guy at a time. Like, it's no longer Kabaragi because he transferred it to a different guy. Right. And I think this is the same guy. Yeah, yeah, it he is. is, totally in the G- is. G- okay. So mm-hmm. I think it's just one guy at a time. Right. It can be passed from guy to guy to guy to guy to guy. 
uh, my guess is that, um, how do I want to put this? My guess is it's perhaps like a Horcrux. Um, if you remember the last Harry Potter book slash film, I do. When they are, you do or don't? I do. Of course, I do. Okay. I have them all. So yeah. So they're farting around the forest with uh, one of uh, Voldemort's Horcruxes, and it's affecting them like they're becoming different people. Right. It's affecting because, them negatively because it's got Voldemort's negative energy in it. Bingo. I'm wondering if it's the same principle, like Celebro's malevolence can kind of uh, infect others so that he doesn't have direct control of their body, but it influences them. Because Rectangular General is acting a little out of character, a little bit towards the not, end of See, not, not really, because I think, and this is going to be my wool gathering, that the Celebro can only infect the one person it is in control of at the time okay but that everybody else is not going to notice it unless it really really knows that person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now i think rectangular general is just rectangular general and only knows how to follow orders because that's what you do in japan is you follow orders no matter what sure sure unless of course you're in storage so uh <laughs> but we will get to that in a minute exactly exactly so a team of mechanics and security uh arrive at the storage headquarters led by strategic manager mayuki who has the best glasses out she of does. the whole series pretty great frames you guys uh-huh. um and um they install the d4a into king joe uh, and I like the split screen that they use to get the D4 in mm-hmm. with the people in the foreground and the mm-hmm. weapon in the background. I yeah, really that, did like that. I had that was nicely that. done. Yeah, very well. Uh, let's hear it to the digital. Comp- let's give it up for the digital composition team. At yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, shortly afterwards, a team of mechanics. Uh, oh, I said that. Yep. Um, now, Haruki, Yuka, and the other members of storage voice their concerns against the D4 to Kuriyama who explains that GAF has determined the energy of the D4 to be under control, although Yuka responds by arguing that there isn't enough data available to determine what will happen if King Joe requires to fire the D4. Exactly. Kuriyama then announces that to obtain this data, GAF intends to carry out a second test run, this time with King Joe's newly, infor- uh, newly installed D4 ray. And Haruki's uh. like, uh, we don't need to have this kind of weapon to defeat monsters. And Kuriyama says, look, the only... Re- reason we've been so successful is that Ultraman set is around. And, right. Uh, and without him, we can't defeat these things. We need right. something stronger because we're not sure what he's going to do. Sure, sure, sure. Now, GAF considers Ultraman set to be a wild card and are concerned as to what could happen to humans uh, if he were to just suddenly leave the planet. Although Haruki immediately replies to the point that Zet would never abandon humanity and that storage can protect Earth in, its, uh, in his stead. Though Kuriyama agrees with the sentiments of everyone else, the decision to be used the D4A has already been made, because of course it has. Um, of course it has. And he can't change the GAF's collective opinion on the matter. Um, because, you know, management always is like, this is what we're doing because it's great. Yeah. <laughs> no downside here that we could think of, so you're yeah. going to do it anyway. And the Everybody people who do it are like, this isn't going to work. And then, you know, smash cut to six months later when they're like, gee, I wonder why that didn't work. How come nobody told us? <laughs> we tried to tell you. You didn't want to listen. Yeah, we, you know, we we were the ones who said this is a bad idea. Yeah, told absolutely. you so. I hate, you know, I don't even say I hate to say I told you so. 
They're no, like, no, no. I love to say I told you so. It's one of my favorite things to say to people it's who just aren't the fact paying that, attention. Exactly. <laughs> they still won't pay attention. Even after you told them I told you so, they're like, no, you didn't. Well, yeah. yeah, I did. You remember the conversation? No, no. We have it in writing that I told you so. There's email <laughs> documentation that I said, this exactly. is not going to work, you guys. And they were like, nah, 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 that fine. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> what it's do you amazing. know? You're not paid six figures. You're right. Um, got a fair point. <laughs> Lord. Um, so uh, as he leaves the control room complaining of the stress-induced stomach pain, he passes by uh, Captain Asano, who clearly shows symptoms of his possession by Celebro. Right. At the, the same time, the D4A's installation was being finalized, having been lowered into place near King Joe's Pythanium Particle Cannon. As the GAFJ engineers celebrate their hard work, Haruki contacts Zet and asks for his thoughts. Zet, interesting, uh, interestingly, chooses a neutral approach. Yeah, because he doesn't know exactly what is going to happen. So he's like, I, I don't know what could happen. I, I can't tell you. Well, he says, it's good that you guys have figured out a way to fight monsters by yourselves. And Haruki's like, dude, I don't know if we should have this power. Yeah. yeah. And Zet says, well, that decision will be up to you guys to make. And then suddenly, uh, a golden meteorite crashes into the crater of the uninhabited right. island, because I'm not going to try to pronounce it again. Um, <laughs> you can switch to the camera feed of the site just in time to see the meteorite transform, revealing itself to be Kelbeam. Yeah. Uh, Hebecora, who has experience with Kelbeam species before, informs the rest of storage that these monsters are known to attack in infest locations with a great deal of energy presence. So Yoko assumes, of course, that the Kelbeam was attracted to the island because of the test. Right. So Hippocor agrees with that, and uh, Kelvin takes to the air and begins flying at a high speed uh, towards Tokyo. Headquarters. Yep, uh, and we'll be there within twenty minutes. Yes, of course. Now you, yeah, Yuka realizes that it is likely headed right for the headquarters, um, and Hippocor comes up with a plan. Yoko and Haruki are to set out with King Joe and Wyndham, and Yoko attempts to lure Kelvin away from the city, where Haruki will provide backup. However, Rectangular General says, no, nope, that's not going to happen. Um, GAF General Command says the D4 ray will be used in this operation. Furthermore, despite Yuka's objections, King Joe will perform the task alone, and Wyndham was to remain on standby until further orders were given. Now that, to me, is where I started to become suspicious of Rectangular General. See, the, the problem I have with the Rectangular General is the same problem everybody seems to have with the Nazis. All you're doing is following orders. Right. You have to be able to think for yourself, even as a general. And all he's right. doing is following orders, whether he thinks they're good or bad. Yeah, you know, because he gets this smirk later in the show where something happens. He's like, yeah, see, that's what we're going to do. But it doesn't... He has deferred to Hebecora previously... Like, okay, you know, we'll do it your way, and it worked out. But, like, it just seems a little, like, it's almost like, well, you expect him to do this, so he's going to do it to, like, the nth degree. Yes. Right? Yes. As opposed to, like, it's almost like he has become a caricature of himself, which leads me to believe that maybe he's not pulling his own strings right now. Maybe. Okay. That's I can't that. really argue with your theory. Yeah, I'll put go that up it. on the theory board. There you go. <laughs> theory board bell. There you go. 
There you go. Uh, further arguments break out between the GAFJ and uh, storage unit as Yoko sets off to pilot King Joe into battle on her own. But right. Baco refuses to let her launch King Joe. Um, refusing to believe in my statement that the simulations will allow King Joe to survive firing the, the ray. After some persuasion, of course, uh, Yoko is successful. King Joe is launched, and as, and there's meteorites coming down all Everywhere. over the place. And you Everywhere. say to yourself, "Well, that can't be good." Um, <laughs> Never is, <laughs> right? Um, and of course, the monster shows up and starts having the meteorites transform into more of him, more of him. Right. Of course, more Kelbims. Right. And then King Joe enters the fight. Shazam. Um, <laughs> the activated meteorites begin transforming, revealing additional Kelvins. Uh, Haruki demands to be allowed to leave, but Kuriyama orders Hebakura to give the order to fire the D4 ray. Instead, of course, Hebakura agrees with Haruki's request, exclaiming that he is uh, the one in charge of this operation. He has the final word on whether the D4 ray will be used or not. Outside exactly. the base, King Joe is close to being overwhelmed, and then Haruki arrives and just tackles the crap. <laughs> Which was great. Like, hey, Windham kicked you right into him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They do a they do a lot of great like a lot of great like side swiping maneuvers in this show, and it's yes, fun. Yes, it is that it is. Um, so uh, it levels the playing field somewhat. Uh, they destroy one of the Kelvins in a volley of missiles, only for the first one to start emitting the signal to activate yet more of the meteorites. Yes. And the two machines are outnumbered once again. Uh, now, you could notice that Kelvin are sending out signals uh, as a vocal wave, appearing to amplify a weaker signal sent from above and begins tracing the source of that signal. Uh, Yoko and Haruki fight on, uh, but both machines are overpowered, forcing Haruki, of course, to transform into Zet, assuming right. his Alpha Edge form. Uh, alpha, together, you got to put that R in there. I did. Alpha I, did. Edge. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> alpha Edge. <laughs> Um, now, so, did uh, you notice that the battle was a bit sped up between Zet and the Kelbim? Yeah, that a it was bit. actually rather. I thought it was rather sped up, but that's okay. Oh, I didn't think so. I just uh, I think that a lot of times they we're so used to the monsters, uh, the monster battles being uh, shot at a high frame rate and then slowed down. Right. That anything resembling normal speed looks like the Keystone Cops sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, so they, they finally figure out that there is a Kelvin in space, <coughs> the queen of this whole colony. Right. Um, and it is, uh, commanding her children to infest the earth. This is out of reach for King Joe. Yoko informs that of this new lead and he flies into space coming face to face with a truly colossal mother Kelvin. Yes. Yes. Zet transforms into Delta Rise Claw and charges into battle. Excuse me a moment. Uh, he's coughing. He's got a bad cough today. I I have a post-nasal drip that you would not believe. I'm glad it's I'm terrible. not in the same room. You'd be giving me your COVID. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just I have horrible allergies. Uh, yeah. Now that the now that and they're they're terrible. Um, I gotcha. I gotcha. The, the, this whole week has been like because uh, you know the. What with rain and then the um, all the leaves being on the ground and we get more. Mm -hmm. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So um, 
Um, so we get our just to destroy the Kelvin using the belly rock Deathsium slash. Right. But right. of course the monsters on earth continue to fight on. And if that doesn't make it back in time, uh, Hebakura and Yoko, uh, all the stalling that they've done will be in vain. But however, um, Yoko takes heed of Kuriyama's order and then fires the D4 ray. Yes. As reality itself seems to break around King Joe, a gigantic beam is fired from the particle launcher, completely obliterating the Kelvins. Now, up in orbit, Zet turns around to see a wave of energy appearing over Japan. In a state of horror, uh, Haruki and Zet realize together the weapon was used after all. Right. King Joe falls to the ground, too damaged to remain upright, as a red-colored wave of destruction comprised of countless portals spread outward from near storage head cube. Uh, Which was very well done. I do oh, give them the oh, video yeah. on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they did it. I'm sure it's all CG, yeah. but it looked very effective. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So um, Earth's dimension begins collapsing at that point. Arriving overhead, Zet and Haruki resolve to prevent that collapse, and he fires an empowered version of his Zestium Ray directly at the source of the collapse, sealing the portal but leaving devastation caused by the incident behind. Right. A massive crater several miles long now lies where much of the surrounding area had once been. Yep. Um, although it seemed that King Joe and Yoko had been caught in the explosion, her cries of fear rang out through the speakers of the storage uh, control room. As the dust cleared, Yoko had survived as Zet managed to shield King Joe from the blast in the nick of time. Of course. Of course. Yes, well, it's what heroes do. Um, <laughs> remarking on what she witnessed during Zet's efforts to stop the collapse, Mai immediately wonders what would happen if GAF had access to the weapons of equal power to that of an Ultra. Let's just say that's not going to end well. Yeah, it would be very, very bad. We've, <laughs> we've That's been the second time they've postulated that in this yep. series. First one being where the guy was like, oh, I'm a big fan of Wyndham, and I'm a big fan of Ultraman, or whatever it was. <laughs> And they were like, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could build our own Ultraman? And you're just like, nah, 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 nah. nah, nah. <laughs> Haven't you guys watched Jurassic Park? Quit trying to play God. Exactly. Exactly. Can't turn out well. <sighs> so, um, Hebakura ironically echoes Kuriyama's statement that the JF had deemed the D4 ray under control. Yeah, that, that um, really, that what he basically did is said that really looked like it was under control after you blasted everything to smithereenies. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's smaller than smithereens, you guys. They're smithereenies. <laughs> They're wee. Exactly. So, um, then they are, the, the entire crew of storage is assembled in the hangar, and a rectangular general comes up, and in the, one of the best comedic moments of the series, because this is such a tense moment, he has to get up on a two-step library step stool <laughs> <laughs> so that he stands higher than them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> kudos to the actor playing Rectangular General because he does this so He great. had to know how bad it was going to look. It was so beautiful, like... I'm going to step up on these two. Like, just, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, gets up, he gets up on his little step stool, and then he's like, all right, effective immediately, storage is now disbanded. Right. And that right. leaves us with a cliffhanger like nobody's business. Um, wow. Did not uh, see that coming. That I is didn't another, see it coming either. 
That is another reason where I wonder if he is being manipulated because like when we see when we see him when he gives Hebakora like okay it's on your head right yeah yeah he makes this smirk and it is not like him to be smirky that's it true. is like him that's to true. be a a grumpus with a with a <laughs> with a uh with the tummy trouble I understand yeah. I understand that's what I think is going on so well, yeah we'll aw- see. awesome episode absolutely i awesome really episode. like this episode it was very very cool yeah. the monster battles were efficient and the fact that they were able to use i'm guessing it's just one suit copied a whole bunch of times i don't know but, man that i think they had to have at least two okay I'll because give it um there were two in screen at any one time well not only that but like Zet at one point was fighting two at once. Yes. So you had to have two. I'll give it that. And I'm like, that's gotta be, uh, I wonder if there's a, um, let me, let me do our quick monster minute. He is a Kaiju of 44 meters tall, 44,000 tons. Homeworld loves. <laughs> um, first appearance was Ultraman Medius episode four broken bonds. Okay. Uh, latest transmission. La- latest was this one. Um, big shock. Um, Let's see what else he's been in. Ultraman Orb. We've seen him in Orb. Um, Zet. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, let's see if they put in any trivia. No, it doesn't appear that there's any sort of trivia. Okay. Like, I would like I to know if they happen. constructed multiple suits. That would be interesting to know. It would be. But, I mean, if they're not going to tell us, they're not going to tell us. So, anyway, Kelvin has a ballistic exclusive spit. <laughs> um, he can Freedom. spit moderately powerful fireballs at an impressive rate. Uh, Kelbim's long tail is equipped with a mace-like protrusion for the supersonic crusher tail. The rock slicing machete horn. <laughs> yeah, two thumbs up for that. And boring old flight. <laughs> ah. uh, the Kelbim 2 is... Um, that's weird. I don't know why there's a difference between Kelvin 1 and Kelvin 2, but then there's Mother Kelvin, 303 meters tall, 999,000 tons. Of course. Yes. Sure, sure. And let me tell you, the way Zet defeats the Mother Kelvin with that like big old energy sword. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. Ban- well, the belly rock, really. But the belly rock, wow. though, which I wow. like how it turns into a giant purple sword. Yeah. Script magic. <laughs> yeah, 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 it does what it needs to do. Let's exactly. face it, it does what it needs to do. There's no reason to worry about that. Exactly. exactly. But yeah, so that, God, that was that was a good good pair of episodes as we as we round the horn into the final leg of the Ultraman set, which is uh, amazing. Yeah, it's been it's what a ride. It what has ride. been fun. It has been fun. This has been good since the, like I'm like I said with um, Tyga. I enjoyed Taiga the longer it went on. I was super like, it's, it's all right. Like at the beginning, I thought it was a little bit bland despite three heroes and all that stuff. All right, but, all right. but I liked it as it went, like it improved. It I got better it st- as it went along. I think it yeah. started as a C plus and moved its way up way higher towards the end. Whereas okay. Zet started with an A and has and maintained it its a. GPA straight through the semester you guys now the only problem i have the argument i would have is 
two special episodes and a recap episode, but that I yeah, well, you can't you can't not have that because of you know no Olympics. I I get it. I didn't you know, say I have to like it, but I, I understand think, it. I think you have to have that because like well, we can't have it in two weeks early, right? Um, we don't do reruns, right? Um, so why not just make this special episode? Just as two special kind of like, episodes. Yeah, you know, remember this? Yeah, yeah, great. That's fine. I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So now I just have to look up. We're going to talk right now um, about the Ultraman new, uh, what do you call it? A web series. Well, I don't know if you want to do that. We have 18 minutes. Do you want to do yeah, that? It's now? Not gonna, yeah, we're, we're not going to. Okay. It's, it's an 11 minute short. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes we yeah. go long. <laughs> yeah, well, we're not gonna. We, we'll be forced to do this, and I I have 18 minutes left on this clock. Yes. So, um, Ultraman, or I should Ultra say, Galaxy Ultra Galaxy Fight. Fight: The Absolute Conspiracy. Exactly. Oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, now this comes off Ultraman: Tiger the Movie New Generation Climax. So this takes place in between that and Ultraman Z. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, it's broadcast, of course, exclusively on YouTube in both Japanese and English languages. I did like the fact that it was in English, so I didn't have to read the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. And at first I had the English and the English subtitles and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They're actually speaking English. Maybe I should turn the subtitles off. Right. <laughs> okay. So this is a nice, this is a nice little, um, this came out on the 22nd. Um, this is a this is a this is a really nice uh, plot breakdown. Zero provides a brief exposition on reboot and the entire chapter revolving on how he was enlisted into the Galaxy Space Force. Bang! Then we change within the underground of planet uh, Mikarito, yep. which sounds like a nickname for a planet. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a nickname for the planet Mika. Hey, Mikarito! Um, exactly. Civilization Guardians Max and Reboot have noticed the planet's sudden aging and deterioration in an environment. There, the two find a Maga Orochi egg, and Max realizes that said monster was supposed to be sealed away. All of a sudden, Heliboris and Alien Saran both appear uh, to fight the Ultas, uh, the Ultras. Now, they wouldn't be fighting a Japanese beauty line. <laughs> That's the Ulta Cosmetics. By the way, every time I used to see that store, I'd be like, Ultra. Oh no, that's a, it's a ultra. Sorry. Damn it. Damn. 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 Nice damn. try, though. Nice try. Damn blast and double damn. Um. <laughs> so Sran infects Max with Gudis cells. Gudis cells, Pat. Of course. Come on. Of how course. cool was that? Like, <laughs> like remember that, you guys? Huh? Gudis. Um. In hopes of slowly mutating the Ultra into a monster, while at the same time becoming Orochi's sacrifice. Max orders Reboot to report this incident to the Intergalactic Defense Force due to any attempts for his companion to assist him would render the latter infected as well. <laughs> Meanwhile, on planet Canon, which we are currently watching for the 12 Days of Ultraman, um, Yulian and Sora had recently finished negotiating with Queen Izana, um, who was appeared as the war deity. So, right. um yeah, um, I mean, this starts to get really confusing if trying to actually keep track of everybody. Oh, yeah. What's what? great, what I really like is at least they show, like, when somebody walks on screen for the first time, 
they're labeled. Yes. So you go like, hey, this is Julian. And you're like, okay, cool. Good. I can keep track of that. Good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Both women are attacked by Lugosite before Ultraman 80 shows up um, and has a nice big fight with Lugosite. Um, and then Lugosite gets, uh, gets some cold feet, it appears, and goes away from Planet Cannon. Meanwhile, right. <laughs> in the Land of Light, Reboot, Sora, Yulian, and 80 report their incidents to the Ultra Brothers. Zafi and Taro realize the connection between Gudis and Orochi as destructive entities and that it was too complicated for an alien Srant mastermind. That three days were needed to save Max from the Gudis cells um, was calculated. But, yeah, right, to, to, to make the antibodies to the Gudis cells, yes. Right. Uh, Reboot was sent to be trained with Ultraman Great and Powered while Hikari was... Uh, while Hikari and Sora create the antibody and 80 is amassing a strike force against Lugosite. Of course. Now, was Ultraman great the one we watched that was from yeah. Australia? Okay. Yeah, because he had okay. the spandex suit even. I know. Come on, was, how cool was that? That was very cool. Now, if they use him better, I will be very happy because I oh, did like the series. he plays a big part in that. Okay. He okay. apparently plays a big part. And I have, people have been talking about uh, how they're upset that we're not getting Ultraman Great Empowered on Blu-ray right now um, due to licensing problems. Because they're co-productions. They're U.S. and Japan U.S. and Japan and Australia and Japan co-productions. Right. So right now there are some licensing issues that need to be worked out before they're released on Blu-ray here. I'm sure they'll figure it out. I I'm think so. Sure they'll figure My it favorite out. is people are like, well, you can always buy it from Japan. Again, I'm not spending $150 on 12 episodes. No, can't it's do it. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Thank you very much. If you um, want to buy it for us and send it to us, we will be yeah, happy, but we're I'll not going to do it. <laughs> be more than, I'll be more than happy if one of you guys wants to send me Blu-rays of both of those shows. Let me know. Contact me either via Facebook or at the UltramanPodcast at gmail.com address. And I will give you my street address, and you can send those Blu-rays. That yes. would be awesome. <laughs> Though I don't think any of you are independently wealthy enough to do that sort of crazy mushuga nonsense. I would um, never say that there are not people that are wealthy enough to do it. But well, I, don't I don't think, think we know any happen. of them. That's <laughs> <no problem. laughs> we're not that connected. We're not that connected. I would love to be that connected. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. I man, man, I would. I don't even know where to find the strings to pull. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, um, but yeah, I Easter egg. Okay, the English and Japanese voice for Ultraman Powered is Kane Kosogi, which is who, the actor who originally played him twenty some years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. he was invited back to do. The voice for it and he, there's an interview with him on subaraya's youtube channel right now about how excited he was to actually be brought back to the franchise oh that's cool yeah that's very very cool yeah it would have been nice if they got the jack shindo guy to do uh to the do, uh, great great but i don't think he's really acting very much anymore so maybe he was like nah, yeah. i mean he's been doing conventions you'd but, think he'd want to do it if he's doing conventions just to keep his name in the Mix, you would think. Who knows? Or, you know, yeah, you know, hey, maybe they couldn't come to an agreement. Could be scheduling. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe he who doesn't knows? have a robust internet connection. I don't know what he's doing with this life. 
I don't want <laughs> I don't <either>. you know? <laughs> but yeah. So like I say, you were all worried that we weren't gonna get enough time. It's an eleven minute short. Um I thought it was it was a much better than the last one that we watched. Which well, the name escapes me, but yeah, but it's not irrelevant. But the basic issue is <laughs> the issue I find is exactly what you had to do with is ding, meanwhile, ding, meanwhile, ding, meanwhile. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And I pause. Oh, yeah, there's, there's no, there's, it has it no chill. It bounces too fast. It has no chill, Patrick. We know this. Is not, <laughs> yeah, there is fair. no chill. That's fair. There is no chill whatsoever. I'm trying to get back to the, um, to see what was before that okay um let's see here come on now uh, oh come on oh i can't i can't beard. remember you again he's probably getting oh, hungry yeah well it's usually what he does he's like yeah they're still at it damn it um, go feed the kid <laughs> yeah i think i'll do that but yeah so i i'm really looking forward to this and yeah this I, looks I like was, it's going to be fun this looks like i was going to try to do mini episodes like we did last time but Let's just tack them on to the end of what we're watching. Sounds like a plan because I don't much... think we're really going to have a lot of time. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> we're still trying to record the 12 days of Ultraman. Um, we've got yep. three in the can right now. If it doesn't happen directly after Christmas, because it might not, it will happen. We're still going to release we just don't it at know some exactly point. When. And it may yeah. be... Hey, it could be Chris, the 12 days of Ultraman Christmas in March spectacular. Who knows? <laughs> We're trying. It's just life is interrupting. How oh, dear. And how? Uh, just a exactly. reminder that the Ultraman Taiga movie New Generation Climax is released on DVD and Blu-ray uh, December 24th in Japan. Okay. Okay. Um, so we should somebody, get it shortly after that. Yeah. Somebody told me that there are... Um, there are some uh, theater um, prints with subtitles floating around uh, on the ah. internet. I have not seen that yet, but I think for I think for the first time um, in for Festival of Merriment for A New Hope, we're going to be watching um, Ultraman adjacent, but it's going to be Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, the Christmas episode. I will be posting okay. a YouTube link to that. Um, and uh, we're going to watch that. And I, I do have some giveaway stuff coming. I don't have the announcement just yet. Um, fair, but let's say fair. it involves Mill Creek Entertainment. <gasps> yeah. So there you have it. Um, fair So, enough, yeah, fair that's enough. enough for us and our, our flapping of gums. Uh, <laughs> rate, review, subscribe. Be nice to each other. Be safe. Uh, and thank you again for tuning in. On behalf of the Science Patrol, my name is Rich Conroy. I'm Pat Rooney. Sally Forth, you guys. Take care, everybody. Bring back Bach. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, still doing it. I All want right. Bach back. I understand. It's got to happen. <laughs> no, it does not. Yeah, oh, it's going to be great. You, can you imagine oh, man, whoever it is <laughs> fighting the, the Legion Ranch. of Also Ranch for the first, like, seven or eight episodes? And he's like, what is going on? This is very easy. You know, like... <laughs> I understand. Who are these dimwits, you know? (laughs) And then we find out that there's a a mastermind behind the whole thing. I think it'll work. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Music for this podcast is provided by Terminal Sunburn. Visit terminalsunburn.bandcap.com. Post-production by Casey Kittle for Faces for Radio Productions.
Visit us on the web at ultramanpodcast.com or find us on Facebook. Our email address is ultramanpodcast at gmail.com. The Science Patrol can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time, for the Science Patrol, I'm Gretchen Brooks from the Kaiju Cast. <laughs>